Scofflaws is a show about the history of crime, criminals, and the investigation thereof. There may be discussion of adult themes and generally icky stuff. Also, neither host is a legal professional, and this show does not contain any legal advice. Remember, crime doesn't pay. Unless you're really good at it. Hello, and welcome to the Scofflaws, the history of law and disorder. My name is Sean, and joining me again is my lovely co-host, Allison. Say hi, Allison. Hi, everyone. You say it's so demure. Yep. <laughs> you know, you have to sure that the voice is just perfect, doesn't have too much vocal fry, because then you get accused of, I don't know, whatever it is people who have vocal fry get accused of. I don't even know what vocal fry is, and I'm the one who edits this podcast. I think it's if the voice is a little bit too grainy, like, or gravelly, like a smoker's kind of voice. Because generally when people make their voices go go low and show that they're saying something very important, you know, like, like the Dan Carlin voice. <laughs> I think that's what they mean. My voice is low, so this is serious. I'm Batman. Yes. That's why he <laughs> uses it. I'm Batman. <laughs> Everything I say is well-sighted. You know, and more power to him, I just wish that Christian Bale could actually do that low gravelly voice. <laughs> uh, uh, so how's your week been, Allison? Uh, it's been good. You know, it's, it's a busy time of year, so I've been running everywhere. Yep, yep. I found an interesting fact out. Yeah? If you burn your tongue and then switch to a new mouthwash that same day, you lose taste bud privileges for a week. Huh. Yep, everything has tasted like styrofoam for me since about Wednesday. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's a living nightmare. Yeah, even spicy food. Even even like spicy food, like I can I can taste a little bit of it, but everything sort of has this sort of packing peanuts flavor to it. Oh, you. Yeah, it's it's starting to wear off mainly because I stopped using the mouthwash for the time being, but. I think what it is, the mouthwash I got has hydrogen peroxide in it. That could do it. Yeah, so it when I interacted with the burned tongue, it stripped me of flavor. Mm. It annexed me from flavor... Not annexed. It, it booted me from flavor town. That's so sad. Like, food is one of the best things in life. Ah. Yeah, it's it's coming back, though. It's coming back. That's good. So uh, what are we talking about today, Allison? So today we're talking about how historically and a little bit in the modern era, as in we'll touch on it a little bit in the modern era, people are treated differently for committing the same crime if they are a different gender. So for example, a man who has committed, say, theft might be treated differently and have a different sentence length than the woman who did the same kind of theft. Um. All right, let's uh, let's look into the disparity of criminal justice between genders. That is the longest break to interstitial I've ever done. <laughs> I was looking into this, and there's an interesting kind of odd dichotomy between this. So throughout history and up to the modern day, 
it's been viewed that women are just less likely to be criminals than men. And statistically, this actually is borne out. Um, however, the question then becomes like a chicken or the egg. Do we think women are less likely to commit crimes because women have less light, have committed less crimes? Or do we think, or do women commit less crimes because we don't expect them to be criminals? Does no one suspect the butterfly because it's a butterfly or because it didn't do it? <laughs> Essentially. And so what has been found is that, say, uh, take a crime like murder, you know, the oldest profession. Okay, let me just unbox some murder here. Okay, let's go. Now, women are much less likely to be suspected of murdering someone, which gives them a, an advantage in that realm. But, and this is true especially in uh, the Renaissance era, Middle Ages, if it's found that a woman did commit the crime, like it's completely true, there's no doubt about it, then that woman is punished even more harshly than a man would because she had strayed out of her lane. <laughs> oh, man. So but, we're, we're, we're not going to look at you for it, but if we notice it, oh, you're in so much trouble. Exactly, because not only are you committing a crime, but you're, this sounds a little bit too Handmaid's Tale, but you're a gender traitor for trying to do things that men usually do. Essentially, it comes down to that Madonna whore kind of dichotomy that people tended to sort women into. Women were either good women, or they were bad women. And if a woman is committing a heinous crime... She's obviously a bad woman, which is even worse than a bad man, because, you know, you're a man. You understand how men can do bad things, but women, whoa. That's whoa, hold on there. Yeah, we can't understand them, and so if they're doing things that we don't expect, we should just get rid of them. <laughs> uh, there's, there's insert joke here about not trusting something that bleeds for a week once a month. Essentially. And... This is actually still true today. Women are less likely to be even brought in for crimes. Like, if a policeman sees a woman committing a crime on the street, like the same crime that they might see a man committing, they're less likely to bring them in if they're a woman. They're more likely to give them a warning. But once they're brought in and brought up for sentencing, they're a little bit more likely to be sentenced to, like, say it's a prison-worthy crime. They're a little bit more likely to be sentenced to prison than they would be otherwise. So it's a double huh. sword. Like, you don't want to get caught, because if you do get caught, things are worse. But it's less likely that you'll get caught in the first place. Flirt like your life depends on it, because it might very well. That's true. Unfortunately, this also divides by things like racism and classism. Oh, so, yeah. You know, a high-class white woman who commits the same crime as, you know, a low-class person who's, like, say, an immigrant, they completely get different sentences. Like... There was a case where, and this is a modern day one, not historical, but there was a case where two women had just killed their children separately. Like, they didn't get together and decide to do this. And A child murdering party! <laughs> yes, we have a pact. At midnight, they all die. Wait, hold on. Yes, hello? Oh, you're here to present me with the award for the darkest joke in podcast history? <laughs> Amazing! Thank you! Okay, I'm back. <laughs> but so one of the women, let me see, I have their names noted somewhere really quick, um, was a married 
middle-class white woman named, where is her name? Andrea Yates. And she also was like, you know, about 36, she was married, which is important. And she's, you know, a person of religion. And she killed her five children. Now compare that case to another woman, and I completely beg forgiveness if I mispronounce this, Kua Her, who was an immigrant, and she was a working mother who was not with her husband. She was sentenced to 50 years imprisonment for killing her children, whereas the Andrea Yates was, let me see, found not guilty of killing her other three children on grounds of insanity. She was <laughs> guilty of two capital murder charges for two of her children. So I don't know what the difference is. Like, she just killed two because she felt like it, but then snapped and, like, was not responsible for killing the others. Is it a sanity meter? Like, in <laughs> fucking eternal darkness? Did what? she just hit that cap? <laughs> and so she has a shorter prison sentence, and she's going to be eligible for parole in 2041. So wow, that's that's a while, though. It is a while. Uh, oh, disparities based on class and race and yeah. marriage status, which is very important for women criminals. So remember, girls, if you're going to be a criminal, be married. Puts a whole new spin on that Beyonce song. <laughs> yep. In fact, in Britain, actually, up until 1925, if a woman was found committing a crime specifically in the presence of her husband, I used to think this was just any crime, but no, it only applies if her husband was there with her, she was considered to be acting under his influence and coercion and was not held responsible. Oh, man. Which, that... I mean, if the crime was something like she was beating her husband, I wonder if they would still apply that same metric. Like, is there a line, or is it just across the board? Oh, nope, she was beating you. You must have wanted it. You must have asked for it. You are responsible yeah. for taking you to prison. Your wife is fine. Go, honey. What? Sorry you like, had to what's, be the bad man. What's the line there? Like, she was putting ground-up glass in my food. Well, yeah, but I bet you started it. <laughs> you must have told her you wanted it in some subtle way. Maybe it was <laughs> what you were wearing. Well, I was, I was wearing my shirt composed entirely of broken glass, so... <laughs> it was bound to happen. There was nothing we could do. Achi machi. And this also goes back historically in terms of both the har harshness of sentencing for women who were caught, but also the disparity. I mean, obviously, like, a high-class woman was going to be treated very differently than, say, a peasant woman. Well, yeah, clout's always been a thing. Yeah. But it even goes a little bit further than that. In some ways, in medieval and Renaissance society, but by the time you get to the Renaissance, there's not really, like, peasant women, strictly speaking, but you still have, like, that the rung of people at the bottom of the hierarchy who pretty much farm. Those people. And to the higher echelons of classes they didn't consider there to be much difference between men and women in that social strata. So, like, pretty much the same crimes and the same sentencing. But then as you go, climb the social ladder, you see more of a disparity. And, you know, the women who are higher up are more delicate, more worthy of protection. You know, it much less likely to 
commit a crime because for some reason peasant women have moxie and higher class women are just kind of docile. Uh, equality and poverty and higher class women are the higher class women are a refined material. Yep. One other thing I found when I was researching this, because I was trying to look for hardline statistics that showed that historically women were treated less severely. And because up until the Victorian era, there really isn't much. You know, people historically don't keep many statistics about themselves. Yeah. But one thing that we could look at was the number of prisoners that Britain transported to Australia and see how they break down by gender. Oh, okay. And so that's where I went first. So between 1788 and 1868, 162,000 convicts were transported to penal colonies in Australia. Only 6% of these people were women. Wow. Now, part of this is that the types of crimes that got you conviction or transportation there was a like a list of what qualified and not everything did. So for example, prostitution was not a transportable crime. And that's <laughs> what mostly women were convicted of. If it was though, Australia would have been one hell of a place. They actually talk about that in the article I read. So when women were sent to Australia, like the men would find out that a woman boat was coming and they would just be like waiting at the docks and just claim them all immediately. Which very, very disturbing actually when you think about the implications there, but uh, Yeah. No, no, Australia didn't have the most noble of starts. Nope. However, where they went from where they started really does show a lot. It's yeah. Like if you stop treating people like criminals once they get off the boat. Society improves. Funny how that works out. And you and you build the most disturbing looking opera houses. <laughs> That's true. And this was another time where if women are married, they were much less likely to be transported. So, once again, women, if you want to get away with stuff, be married. You gotta lock that in. Gotta get that ring on the finger. Ugh. It's such a weird... Uh, it's so strange to think that. Like, oh, they're married. They're harmless now. Whereas, you know, oh, she's single. She's a completely different person who would do completely different things. Yeah. No, I, I don't get it either. I mean, I don't wear my wedding ring mostly because it doesn't fit my hand properly. Trey kept her her last name. Uh, the only way that you know that we're married is because we tell you we're married. Yeah. And I mean, I've... Yeah. I thought I had a relatable anecdote there, but actually, I don't. <laughs> kind of assume I'm married, and I'm just like, I don't care. Assume away. Yeah, it's it's just a tax bracket, honestly. Ah, <laughs> uh, if only... That was... So Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was saying, was there was there anything else about disparity? Well, the only other thing that I wanted to touch on was the types of crimes that women would be convicted of versus men historically. I know that you guys okay. already touched on witchcraft, which covers an entire host of everything. Yep. 
And most, for the most part, with women, it was, like, crimes that were firmly in their lane, like being a scold, or, you know, obviously, like, adultery was a big one, which, yep. you know, I, I have to wonder how much of that was actually the woman being adulterous, which, you know, go on with your bad self, but versus how much of that was men being like, hi, woman, you have no power in society, let me rape you, and then we'll call it adultery, and both of us will be arrested and punished. I couldn't help myself. She was showing her ankles. She was just there, man. What did you want me to do? And the judge is like, ah, yes, that's an excellent argument. I would wait. Hold on. Thing. Yes, hello. A second award for darkest podcast joke. You're kidding me. Also, I'm not allowed to podcast anymore. Great. <laughs> The ad All right. <laughs> so this is my swan song. <laughs> I know a lot of, uh, at least from from popular media I have ingested regarding the subject of murder, that uh, poison's usually considered like the woman's way of murder. Yep. According to famous detective Urquil Perot, as written by Agatha Christie, women and Spaniards and Italians. Which has always been confusing for me, because women, Spaniards, and Italians are all supposed to be very passionate as well, and generally passionate people tend to stab instead of poison. Yeah, it seems more of a methodical method of killing as opposed to a passionate one. Yeah. I think part of it, and this is personal opinion, I don't have any research to back this up, nothing I can cite, but I think that part of it is that generally in Western society, men are encouraged to be impulsive and, um, you know, like, act immediately. And women don't aren't generally encouraged in that way, that, especially back in like, the Renaissance and the Middle Ages. If you try to do something suddenly, you're out of your lane. People will notice and will try to stop you. Whereas, like, men say, men fighting. Ah, they do that all the time. Whatever. And so, women just had to be sneakier about it. Hmm. Now, see, I, I had a different take on that. Yeah? Um, my way of thinking with, with that is... Is the idea, and I guess to some degree it's statistically true, that women are physically weaker than men. So... They wouldn't be able to overpower them with a physical assault, so they had to go with a more roundabout, I guess you could say, method of life disposal. I think that that does factor into it, but I don't think it's the whole story. Because, I mean, like, if you're a woman who's going to poison someone, you probably could also, say, stab them in their sleep. Like, there are other ways of killing that they could have chosen. They would just have to have chosen a time when they had the drop on the person they wanted to kill. You know, so like, your husband's asleep, you pull out your kitchen knife, you stab him in the throat, that's it. Hello, third award for Darkest Joke. Um, <laughs> if, if they're choosing to poison, I think, I think there's more that goes into it than just pure physical differences. Although, don't get me wrong, I do think that that does play a small part, but less than people assume. 
I, I, I think very few women are like, oh, I'm so weak. If only I had more upper body strength, I could be murdering everyone. Yeah, if only I did more uh, push-ups. Yeah. I, I, I'm less talking about, like, the reasoning behind people who actually do it, more like the, the perception of why it's the woman's way of killing. I guess I could see that. I also think that it's the woman's way of killing because women had more control over the food and the drinks. I mean, yeah. you know, like, if, again, hypothetically, if I was, say, a man in the Renaissance who wanted to sneakily kill someone, I might arrange for him to, like, be on a horse that got spooked and he gets thrown and his neck cracks. But, like, a woman doesn't have as much opportunity to arrange that kind of accident. But they can control whether or not there's, you know, arsenic in his potatoes. So arsenic is one of the worst poisons to poison people with, so I highly do not recommend that. Yeah, no, it's an awful way to go. I think that horse thing is the way someone tries to get assassinated in Berserk. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it was... Well, no, it wasn't that the horse got spooked. It's that it was during, like, a, a hunting party and a yeah. stray arrow while he was on horseback. I feel like that was the other popular, like, at least for high-class men who could go hunting, who had the right of hunting. Kate hates when I make political jokes on here, but she's not here, so the Dick Cheney assassination method. <laughs> oh gosh, I'd almost forgotten about that. Yeah, no, Dick Cheney totally shot someone in the face while hunting. And then the guy apologized to Dick Cheney because he was in range of his gun. <laughs> uh uh, Remember when that was the worst scandal happening in politics? Boy, uh, those days. Uh, those bygone days. Yep. Well, I think I'm going to cut us off here. Otherwise, I think Kate will yell at me when she hears this. <laughs> yeah, we didn't uh, use as much of her research as I'd been planning to. But oh, well. well. <laughs> vaguely mention it. Yeah, we, uh, we got... We got the information out there. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, just, you know, I mean, everything I said was what I thought was the most interesting, but the one part that I'm like, man, was where they were, you know, like, women are just less likely to be, con like, brought in on charges at all, but once they are, they're much more likely to be convicted with a possibly harsher sentence. It's just... I was gonna, I was gonna say something, and then it completely left my mind. <laughs> Um, but anyway, um, if you'd like to add to this conversation, you can email us at scofflesspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to help support the show, you can donate to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash scofflaws. Uh, join us on either our uh, main Facebook page or our community page. You can find it either by searching scofflaws, history of law and disorder. Uh, join us on Twitter at scofflawcast. Uh, was there anything that you wanted to plug, Allison? Uh, no, I don't have anything right now. Next time, <laughs> I guess I might. Alright, fair enough. And, uh, let me pull up our dumb law of the day. Uh, okay, I've got one for Rhode Island here. Uh, okay. Uh, this one is right under the one I'm going to use, but I'm going to read it off anyway because it's sort of in line with what we've been discussing. Any marriage where either of the parties is an idiot or a lunatic is null and void. Ha. 
Uh, but the one I really want to read is No One May Bite Off Another's Leg. I like how it's phrased. No one may. That's an odd way to say it. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds more like a challenge than a law. Oh, there is something I wanted to mention and I forgot to mention during the podcast. Okay. Um, And it's just the fact that if when women were brought up for crimes, they were actually more likely to be accused of being insane and like shipped off to an insane asylum or otherwise segregated from society, but not in prison. No, in a nice insane asylum. <laughs> well, God, that, that's a whole nother topic, insane asylums. It is. Ooh, that would be a fun one. Let's yeah. Fly out. I'll have to add that to the list. But anyway, I think that wraps us up for today. Yep. Uh, this has been Scofflaw's History of Law and Disorder. My name is Sean, and this has been Allison. Say bye, Allison. Take care.